Welcome to the EduPurist Podcast, where we focus on education in its purest form, and that's the truth. On today's show, I have a friend of mine, a friend of mine, from the home team, from the nasty new town chapter of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, we got Brother Ono. Brother Ono, tell these people who you are, man, what you're doing in your life. What's good, y'all? Um... My name is Anodio Day Warrior. Everybody calls me Ono for short. And um, I work at Morehouse College currently. Um, I'm a clinical social worker, but I currently work as the uh, Senior Divisional Advisor for Humanities and Social Sciences at Morehouse. Uh, that's my role up until, until September, at which point I will become the Director of New Student Programs and Transition Programs at Morehouse College. Congratulations, brother. I appreciate that. appreciate it. See you doing big things down there. So, yo, I'm going to start with the first question. You hear folks that say college ain't for everybody. When they say that, what does that mean to you when they say that? Well, I have two responses really when I hear that, right? The first response is, it's true. College actually isn't for everybody. One of the things that I see is, um, so, you know, we kind of make college like the gateway to jobs now in this society where there's not, you know, there, there's no, people are encouraged to do trades or skills, et cetera, et cetera. So there are people who college might not be the move for them. They could go into some type of skilled labor educational thing. But when I really hear that, what most people are saying when I hear that is everybody doesn't have the ability. And I think that's total nonsense. I'm like, unless you have a severe, severe, severe developmental delay, you can finish college, you can do college. It's just about the right approach and the right school fit. But, um, you know, anyone can do college, everybody might not want to do college. That's, that's how I look at it. Understood. So what, what role can you say college has played in your own life? I mean, really it's, man, I, it's hard to even say, I, I can't imagine my life without. I've quit college multiple times like I, you know most people working higher ed were like good students i was not that guy i um the very first school i went to university of dayton after my first year being in the school they were like yo you gotta go because your academics is terrible you you know they they put me out of school um and i was like college isn't for me i'm gonna go and get a job and then i started working without a degree, and I saw how bad it was without a degree, I was like, oh, wait, hold, hold up, time out, time out, time out. Let me enroll and transfer up into someone's school because I cannot have a job. Um, and again, so I, I never, I've always enjoyed learning, but I never really liked school per se, being a student. Um, after that, I, uh, you know, after I finished college, after I finished undergrad, I'm like, never again am I going back to school. I started working, I'm working in human services, I realized no one listens to me because I don't have a master's degree. I go back grudgingly. Getting that master's degree transformed my life. My, my income jumped up. My earning potential jumped up. My opportunities increased. And then um, eventually, so I started off working in like the criminal justice system as a therapist and eventually ended up working in higher education. Well, I hit the ceiling again where I couldn't go, you know, I started getting to a point where I couldn't really advance. And I'm like, okay, now let me enroll in the PhD program. So now I'm doing the PhD thing, right? So it's, you know, go, so what it did for me, it opens doors and it opened opportunities for my life. 
and it helped stabilize me. You know, the direction I was going in prior to school was just, it was not, it wasn't a good look. You know, I would have, you know, it just wasn't a good look. So, <laughs> and it got me around, you know, got me around like-minded individuals that were doing progressive things as well. Right. So, so parents of first generation college students, I feel like they're at a total loss in terms of when they come into the situation or whatever, when their kids are graduating from high school, they don't really know what to do. What advice do you have for them? I mean, the first thing is, you know, really do, I would say, reach out and learn as much, like get, you know, we, degree or no degree, we have access to the internet. You know what I'm saying? There's so many resources out here. You know, go to your state. Like, for example, if you're in Georgia, there's, this, there's a website, it used to be called Georgia College 411 where if you go to, and most states have similar websites, where if you go to the, you go to these sites and they'll tell you everything you really need to do, know step-by-step step about schools, right? So a lot of times with first-generation students, they don't really know how to help with the process. They, they're, you know, a little resistant with giving their financial information up. They're like, I'm not going to college. Why do I need to give you my tax returns, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's like, trust the process and get as much information as you can. If you contact these schools, there are people in different offices that will explain stuff and walk it through you step-by-step step to make it not as scary. Make the people earn their money. Cause like the people at the school, they want your students there. They want to fill those seats, let them do it. Like, you know, a lot of times first generation um, parents will say, well, you know, this school's so expensive, I can't afford it. You don't know that. Fill the financial aid stuff out. You might get a free ride. You know, especially if your kid's a good student. You know, if your kid's not a good student, you might still, you know, you might be able to go, but you have your parent, you have to take out some loans or whatever, or you have to find a school that has like programs that you can volunteer for, or whatever. But it's, you know, my my advice is get as much information as possible. And not even really just first generation, because one of the things I find is parents that went to college. But they went to college like a gazillion years ago. They think they know what they're talking about, and they would steer their kids wrong, completely wrong. I mean, my own, my own family is, is a perfect example. My father is a college professor, right? He was given my – he told my sister um, when she was applying for graduate schools, oh, you won't qualify for any aid because you make X amount of money, so don't even bother – filling out the forms. And he said that same thing to me when I first went to school. Don't bother filling out the forms because you won't get anything. I filled the forms out. I, I'm like, my room and board was paid for. My tuition was paid for. I got refund checks in my pocket. I'm like, had I listened, I would have been messed up. So it's so really that advice for the first generation is the same thing for the people who think they know what they're talking about who actually don't. Man, so one point you made that resonated for me was when you talked about uh, first-generation parents and, and they're failing to disclose their financial information and things of that sort. Man, my mom is a 100% veteran, right? And you know what that means, right? Yeah, you that means that I could have went to school for 100% free. No right. student loans. So I called my mom, man. I said, Ma, I need your Social Security number. I'm not giving you my Social Security number. I said, what am I doing with it? <laughs> so, so I'm laughing now. But but trust me, man. That, that man, when I look at them student loans every month, it's painful. Thanks, oh, mom. Wait, so she never gave it to you? Never. <laughs> Stop playing, man. I'm see. I, I was talking. I was, I was talking to somebody that said, "Man, I'm about to sue the government and sue my mother." 
<laughs> That's crazy. Yes, sir, man. So, so, and that, this is why I do what I do, man, because I want to inform people. I want people to, to be informed based off of the mistakes that I made or mistakes that I see. Right. And that's the thing. It's like so many of us are so, so afraid. And I'm just like, what do you think they're going to do? You give them social security. They're not going to, the government's not going to go and make credit cards in your name. The government, you know? Hey, like, hey, like she got good credit anyway. Sorry, mom. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Like, you know, I'm like, shoot. Every time anybody asks me for, I, shoot, I give my social security card to anybody. What are you going to do with it? Ain't like you need a credit card. So. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so so getting back getting back on topic man so many students when they get to college man i don't feel like they're prepared right what advice do you have for them so it, it's really it's a two-step advice right first is before you get to college um unfortunately not all k-12 schools are equal you know and College kind of operates under the assumption that everybody is coming in on a level playing field, but they're not, you know? So, and like, so you see, so I'll see kids who have great grades, but you look at the schools that they came from and they're not really as competitive. Then when they come in, they're like shocked because like, whoa, I'm not doing well now. I've always been a straight A student, but it's like, okay, but you kind of were taught to, you were taught towards a test as opposed to how to critically think. So what I tell students is you walk in the door, go get help. Like if your school has, like I started off in higher ed as a learning specialist. If you have academic support, you have learning specialists, go in there day one. Don't, don't wait for a problem. Don't, don't look at it as like, you know, doing help. Like it's really a paradox because the people most likely to use the academic support on campuses are the ones who have, who are already the most prepared and have the most resources. So it's like, and unfortunately, a lot of times they're not looking like us. So, you know, when I was at Emory, when I first got to uh, learning programs, which is where the academic support was, the camp, there was like no black people using academic support whatsoever. Meanwhile, you know, the, the Caucasians would come in and day one, they're coming in, what do I need to do? How do I need to study? How do I study for college? How do I do the work? Meanwhile, we were like rugged individual. We're just, I'm just going to push through it. And then when you start failing, I'm just going to work harder. You don't know how to study. Come in and let me show you how to, how to do this properly. And the crazy part is, so I made it my mission to get black, seat, black people in there. So black students were underperforming the white students significantly at that school. Within one year, I closed, you know, the gap closed because I got so many black people coming into academic support that 50% of, of students using academic support were black, even though we were only like 12% of the campus. And the grades skyrocketed to the point where the average GPA was like, was a 3-0. So it's like we, you know, it's like get help. Don't look at it. Don't even look at it as help. It's not help. Use the resources because you're paying for it. If you went to a restaurant and you bought a steak, you're not going to get up and leave the steak uneaten. You pay for this. You're paying for these services. Go use these services. That's my Bro, so <laughs> my first, in my first semester at the University of Albany, man, I took a class with Dr. Alan Ballard. I remember I, 
I, yo, bro, I took, I, 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 heard, I handed in my first term paper. He gave it back to me. I, I got a C minus on. He's like, man, you need to go to the writing center. <laughs> and what did I do? I went to the writing center, bro. Right. I'm mad. It's the best advice I could have ever gotten from a professor. The crazy part is, you know how you went, right? Most of the time, when you tell people that, they won't go. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna push down and go harder. Go get that help. You know. Because it's yeah. like, you know, I always say to students, going from high school to college is like going from elementary school into high school. It's like there's a step in between that's missed and you just, you need, you know, you need to get caught up, you know? So we, we see these internet buzzes with these high schools that have, you know, 100% college acceptance. Woo! But they don't talk about how those kids are doing after the first year of college? What are your yeah. thoughts on those? And, and the thing is, it's really, you know, I, I mean, I hate to say, like, one, I love that there are schools that are having 100% acceptance rates, 100% graduation rates, but a lot of time it's kind of a scam. Cause like, even like, you know, at one point in time, I, I worked at Trio. So it's like a program that you work with high school students to help you get into college. One of the things that I would do is automatically I would have you fill out an application for the community college, right? And we would pay for your application fee and pay for all your stuff so you didn't have to cover anything and I would submit it for them. So all my kids had 100% college acceptance rate because I was filling this paperwork and then sending it. That doesn't mean they were ready for school. So, you know, the, the answer to your question, you know, I feel it's a good thing, but if, if you're sending them to schools that are not a good fit, if you're sending them for school, to schools that are not supporting schools where no one looks like them, you send them up to fail. And it's like a, a lot of times, you know, we look at getting into college is the battle. It's not the battle. You know, people go to, you know, like you need to do college tours. You need to go see what the campus is like. I always tell people, especially if you're black, I'm like, hey, if you see another black student while you're on that tour, leave the tour, grab that black student and be like, hey, what's your thoughts of this school? Because the people who are tour, they're trying to sell you. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like every place isn't for everybody. So, it, so it's great there's 100%. Come back and tell me how they did. How, when did they graduate? Because a lot of these guys, they're getting into college, but they're not really college ready. That's a fact. So, bro, we come from the generation of the Cosby show, a different world. You know, and all that had, like, this influence on introducing us to college. Right. What are your thoughts on that, man? And what, what do these kids have nowadays? I mean, the, the crazy part is this. It, it's actually statistics. It was proven that a different world caused a spike in people applying to HBCUs, which is like a crazy they, – they, they, they literally did the data. They were like, when that show came out, there was a jump. And then, like, school days. When school days came out, there was a jump in people applying to HBCUs. But um, it's really weird because like more people are actually applying to college now than there was in our generation because it's a little more normalized, right? But it's like, so more people are applying to college, but they're, you know, they're just going anywhere and they're not looking at the support. Whereas I think for us, because college was not the usual thing that most people did, we really were a little more intentional with it. We'd go to the campus. We'd find out, you know, we'd find out, you know, who's there and what is it like and talk to people. Whereas now it's like these guys are just 
they, they're, they're just assuming they're going to college and they would just say, oh, I'm going to such and such and never step foot on the campus. And then when they get to the campus, they're in, it's culture shock. You know, like, what do you mean the dorms is like full of mold and like the, you know, and, and there's this, that. Did you not visit the campus? So it's like, so on the one hand, you don't have the, you, they don't have the pot, they don't have the images showing how it should look. They just know they need to go. You, you, does that make sense? Absolutely. All right, I'm about to throw you a curveball, man. All right. All right, so when you hear the term generational poverty, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? And, and part two, how can we break the cycle? All right. So the thing with generational poverty, what it means to me is, you know, pretty much uh, America is kind of like a caste system. You know, usually the socioeconomic class that you're born into for most people, that's the class you die in. You know what I'm saying? It's very, there's not, contrary to the American dream, there's not a lot of social mobility in this country, really. And, you know, that's really why I work in education, because education is one of the few avenues we have where it's typical for people to move outside of their, you know, outside of their, their caste that they were born into. You know, so if you're a lower, if you're a middle class, you probably, you know, if you're a middle class, you want to get the upper class, education is going to be the key. If you was, you, was, you were born low income, you want to get to middle class, education is going to be the key. But on the flip side, so I, I think the way you break it is through, one of the ways you break it is, is through education. But also understand that once you get to college, it's, you're, it's still not an equal playing field. Because, like, you know, you come to college, you're taking out loans. You know, Becky over here got no loans. So she's, you know, she comes out, she's debt free. Yeah. You come out, you got a $500 bill every month, and you have in your first job, you're making 23000 which is what you could have made if you just didn't go to high school. But if you look at your long term, you will advance and grow. And a lot of times people get discouraged. They think it's not an avenue out, out of poverty because they will compare a recent graduate to like a high school graduate and have similar economic outcomes. But when you look long term, life earning potential, their lives are they would take they will go in two different directions, you know. And that's not to say everybody who go, who doesn't go to college, you know, will be impoverished. But it's it's one of the it's one of the most assured ways to get out of it. So. Right. I got I got you rolling now. See, I, I know how to I know how to push those buttons. And you're gonna love this next question. Oh, you're gonna love it. There we go. So a lot of these politicians talking about free college. Mm. And erasing college debt. What what is that? What does that mean to you, man? I feel like there's a lot of politics happening right now. It is this so first off, they're lying. Nine times out of ten, they're lying, right? I'm actually for free college. But the way they're talking about doing it is it's not the government can't write a check for every single college student. This is not sustainable, in my opinion. So but I think free like our peer, our peer institute, our peer nations, a lot of them have free colleges like like England, like they, they just like within the last decade started charging for school. And it's a fraction of we, what we do. Canada, they have free education. My, my homegirl, she's Canadian. She. When she got her master's degree down here, she was in shock. She was like, wait, they want me to pay for it? You know? <laughs> like, I got to pay for this? What are you talking about? So, you know, 
other societies invest in education because they understand it benefits the society and it creates social mobility. America is really, we're about the wealthy. So we're not really about that. So I think it's great that the politicians are talking about free college, talking about getting rid of student loans, blah, blah, blah. What's your plan? Because the plan that they're talking about, well, we'll increase taxes. And we're, no, you're not. You're never going to have, it's never going to happen. Stop lying. Like, so you're really going to tell, you're going to get, every, you're going to get people who got money to voluntarily pay more money on their taxes that they already not happy paying. So somebody else will get a degree while you still got your loans. That's, I mean, that stuff is not, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, bro. So, so, so one one other thing I want to talk. Well, I, we can keep talking, but another thing I want to talk about, man, is your experience at uh, HBCU in comparison to a PWI. Like, what do you feel like are the major differences? I mean, it's I get myself in trouble, but uh, so this is the thing. I could talk it, about it if you want me to. Oh no, we both could talk about it, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, I ain't got no filter. People, they, this, is what they, this, this is what you get. This is what you get with me. So people I work for, they know who I am. But, um, and they still employ me, so I'm, I'm happy. Thank you, Morehouse. You know, but, uh, but anyways, I think there's pros and cons. Like, so some people be like, oh, everybody needs to go to HBCU. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. No, I actually, as a high school student, I actually applied to Morehouse and did not get accepted. Now, knowing what I know now, I would not have done very well in Morehouse because it's, it's very, Morehouse is a very nurturing environment for its students. It's kind of almost like a family away from home. I was a very defiant person as a high school graduate. I needed, you know, I was like, I'm grown. You can't tell me nothing. So the PWI really worked well. For me. But like pros and cons, with the HBCU, you're not going to have to worry about dealing with a lot of, you're not going to have to worry about dealing with racism. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to have to worry about being that one black in the class representing your entire group, which causes extra pressure, extra anxiety. You're not going to have professors ignoring you because they ignore the black kids, you know, which, you know, has been proven to be, you know, happens often at PWI. So, you know, so those things, you know, you're, it's, you know, statistically, according to the research, people who graduate from HBCUs, tend to have better psychosocial adjustment and they also tend to have higher career aspirations. Whereas, as opposed to, you know, where you talk to PWI, uh, black students at predominantly white institutions, a lot of times they're like, okay, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this. Whereas their counterpart in the HBCU, I want to be a Supreme Court judge. I want to be, you know, like they'll, they will pick stuff that's higher in the same latitude, right? So that's a perk, that's a positive, right? Negatives, HBCUs often just are woefully under-resourced. Woefully. So it's, you know, like, you know, it, you know, like I do academic advising, right? You look at like a Georgia State, they have an entire building full of academic advisors. You look at an HBCU, you, got, you might have five academic advisors, if you're lucky, for the whole entire college. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of times you have people who are, you know, underpaid, you know, so they're underpaid, overworked, and is limited resources. So you won't have, you know, like, for example, I, you know, I mean, I, I've done like a ton of different jobs in higher ed. I worked in disability services previously, um, doing accommodations for students with learning disabilities and uh, et cetera, et cetera. 
I would have students, I would have people coming in. Oh, well, at this school, they have note takers. At this school, they have this. And at this school, they have a, you know, they have a, you know, a, a student who will follow my son around every single class, helping him do X, A, B, C, D. I'm like, I, I, that's really great that they do that. But you here and here, we don't have that here. So this is what we have here. So just understand. So it, it's really lack of resources. And then because so many of the students are low income, you know, it's unless you were a star, it may like if you go to a predominant white school, you might get a scholarship just on the basis that you're low income and black. Right. Well, being low income and black is not, at, you know, an unusual thing at a lot of our schools. So you're not necessarily going to get money just for your, your identity group, per se. So there's really pros and cons like my, my son. So, you know, my son is 22. You know, I sent him to um, to Morehouse College, right? Um, I I felt for him, it was a good place for him to, you know, I, th I thought it would be, you know, I thought it was a good experience for him because the type of person he was in. It, you know, it's a smaller school. It's very, it's about building up the black male, et cetera, et cetera. And, he, you know, I, you know, he grew, he was in a school system that was predominantly white. So I thought immersing him in the culture would definitely be a good thing for him, you know. Um, for me as a student, that would have been a bad thing. I, I was already Mr. I thought I was Malcolm X going into college, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I needed to learn how to interact with some other folk without like flipping my wig every five minutes. So, you know what I'm saying? So it just, I think it's a, I'm not one of those people who say, I like this type, I like that type. There's, there's a, you know, every, there's a pot, there's a lid for every pot. Figure out what your lid is figure out what the right fit is and then go there, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. I, I had the experience of, uh, of going to, I guess, basically all three, I, if you want to categorize it. So, so I went to Albany, then I transferred to Stony Brook top 50 school. Then I, um, I had my HBCU experience at Morgan state. It was amazing an amazing experience, bro. Um, but like the major difference. And then, I ended up going to teachers college, so I did the I had an Ivy League experience as well. But the I think the major difference for me is the fact that at the HBCU, even though I went to an Ivy League school, I felt like I was more pushed at an HBCU. I felt like they had so much more to prove to everybody else that it, it allowed me to get a, a world class education because black folks just are always having something to prove. Right, and the thing is, it's like. The thing with the HBCU, everybody who's there is invested in the success of black students because that's why you're there. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, you know, like I, I attended four different PWIs, right? And, you know, I got to where I, yeah, I was successful in my schools in spite of the school, not because of the school. Right. You know, like I went in there and I fought tooth and nail to get everything I got from each school I went to. Whereas I think at the HBCU, it's like, it's built for you. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's built to reaffirm your existence as opposed to you being an outsider that's coming in and taking up one of their seats. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. So, so la last question before we wrap it up, bro. Um, what's your advice to an incoming freshman? Incoming freshman, uh, first thing, uh, make sure, look at your financial situation and make sure you can pay for the school you're going to. You know what I'm saying? 
because a lot of times people will have certain dream schools. Um, I saw it at Emory. I see it at Morehouse. I see, you know, they have dream schools where they want to attend. But when you look at their financials, it's like, look, you know, once you get all your aid and your loans and this and that, you still got a $4,000 gap per semester. Can you, can you, your family, your support system, your church, can y'all cover that? If you can't cover that, you, there's a high probability you won't be back your second year. And if you, you know, and if you basically leave because you ran out of money, you won't be able to go somewhere else because you can't get your transcript to transfer because you still owe the last school money. So I'm always like, you know, make sure your financials are straight. And like, even if it means you might have to go to a less expensive school and then transfer into the, your dream school, you know, find out what the options are that works with your, with your resources. You know, there's, re, there's some, there's a school for everybody out there. The school that you think is your dream school might not actually be the right fit for you at the moment. You know, don't give up on getting there. You just might have to go a different path which is okay. You know, community colleges is a great option. If you're trying to work on, you know, we, we, people kind of put their nose up at it. I'm like, look, it's cheaper. You get the, you get the, the initial learning curve out the way. Then when you transfer to your four year school, your GPA don't follow you. So you coming in with a fresh start as a junior, you already got through all the young adjustment stuff, you know, and you know, it's just a different thing. So that's the one thing to seek help, if you get there, if you, if you know you have a learning disability, go get your accommodations. Like I had ADHD and dyslexia, right? Never occurred to me ever to go, go to the disability services office and get accommodations and this, that I'm struggling in classes that I didn't even have to take had I known, you know what I'm saying? So utilize your resources, get help because that's what it's there for. That's what you're paying for. Um, third thing is, Remember why you're there. You know, a lot of times people get in, they get to college, they lose their mind, they kick it, party. The, my freshman year, I promise you, I partied. I was in the club or at a party from Wednesday until Sunday night. And at the end of the year, end of the thing, with people I went to school with my freshman year, when they see me, they're like, you graduated college? Like, because <laughs> I remember you. <laughs> and so you have to... You know, you have to remember why you're there, what your mission is, because at the end of the day, your school will put you out and you could cry and you got your mama call and this, that, and the third. At the end of the day, if you don't perform, they're going to make room. So somebody else who's trying to really be there will take your seat. So take school seriously. Have fun, but be, have a balance, be, be balanced with it, you know? So that, that would be, that's my advice for any incoming freshman. And visit your school before you go to the school. Don't let the first day of school be the first day you set foot on that campus because it, it's, it, it, that does not go well. Bro, I wish I had you giving me advice prior to me going to college, man. I think I would have made some different choices. I don't think I would have been at Albany, bro. <laughs> uh, hey, man, nah, you need to be an Albany man. Hey, you the person you are today because of the mission, you, because of the, the path you chose, man. Uh, I could be a far better person. <laughs> well, bro, thank you uh, for for blessing the podcast, man. And, and uh, yo, when when I when I get some funding, I hope these people that might fund me one day are hearing me, man. I'm gonna give t-shirts to everybody. Come on my show, man. Oh, that's what's up. But but as for now, man, I just gotta give you a huge thank you. <laughs> hey, you're welcome, man. My pleasure.